too. You guys good? Yeah, clear. Right. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we're good. This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Well, you heard it. It's One-on-One's NFL Friday, Week 10 edition, here on WFUVsports.org. I'm Matt Morrow. He's Pat Burns. Patrick Burns will be along in a little bit. We got Joe Marie coming on for fantasy. Kelly Coltis, Alicia Montanaro helping us out with the production side today. Let's jump right into Week Ten football. Patrick, game last night that you and I were uh, still kind of formulating our feelings on this one because it involves the most surprising, if not the best division. I think even a more accurate word is the most intriguing division in football: the AFC North. The Cleveland Browns go into Cincinnati. And defeat the Bengals 24-3. But are the Browns this good or are the Bengals this bad? It's so hard to tell. I mean, I think last night, more than anything, was surprising. Like you said, the AFC North may not be the best division in football. I think it's the most competitive in terms of the teams relative to each other. It's certainly one of the tightest when you look at the standings. And to me, I think this says more, at least right now, about Cincinnati. You know, at home against a team that, you know, I think a lot of people expected them to beat. You know, they were still sitting at 5-2-1, and two and one, you know, with that tie against Carolina, still very much in good playoff position. They were the only team left in that division, I think, with two losses. You know, everyone else had three yeah. or more. You know, so they had a chance to— It was a position they were actually helped out by that tie. Right. That they didn't lose that game. Obviously, they could have won, but it wasn't a loss. So. Right. So they had a chance to further distance themselves— from the rest of the division with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, you know, beating each other up back and forth. You yeah. know, Baltimore, you know, has won over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh returned the favor this past week. You know, that attributes to a third loss for each of them. You know, so it was a really big opportunity for Cincinnati at home where they're usually so good. And to me, they just they just blew it. For me, I, I'm going to say that I'm going to go a little bit toward Cleveland and I'm going to Focus a little bit more on them because we've been seeing it now for the past couple of weeks, really since the Carolina game, and maybe there were signs before that, but that was the real game where things have started to shift for, for Cincinnati where they've gone down after that tie against the Panthers. Cleveland has surprised some people, and it hasn't yeah. been it hasn't been a Brian Hoyer versus Johnny Manziel thing. The only thing you ever hear about Johnny Manziel is that he's possibly frustrated, and Right now, who cares? Because there's a starting quarterback right now, Brian Hoyer, who is not the MVP of the league. He nope. is not going to be the best quarterback voted by the players or who, anybody at the end of the season. Nope. But he's the quarterback of a 6-3 and three team at the top of a division right now. So Johnny Mansell is possibly the farthest thing from their mind right now. And I don't know if week 10 we were going to think that about Cleveland, that one of their biggest things is when are we going to see Mansell or how is he doing if he's already in at this point. I think a lot of people thought Manziel would be the biggest storyline of Cleveland all year, and he hasn't been. Right. Especially last, you know, they start off, they lose to Pittsburgh early, but close game. They lose to Baltimore, but a close game at home. But now they're 6-3 and at the top of that division. They're ahead of Baltimore. They're tied with Pittsburgh, and so they've split with them. Yep. They get Baltimore at the end of the season. I know me and you were talking about this. That's going to be a great test, and in a way it's a little disappointing that we have to wait until Week 17 to get it. Yeah, but on the other side, if they're close at the end, 
that'll be a huge test, and then we will see if Cleveland can get to that point, and that ends up being a great game that, hey, if this is going to matter in Week 17, Baltimore-Cleveland, this is a different Cleveland team than we're used to. Right, and like we were talking about before we came on, I th- I, it is disappointing that we have to wait until the last week of the season to see them play Baltimore again because that, to me, would be a measuring stick game for them. You know, especially going on the road, that game is at Baltimore. Um, well, just to not to cut you off, but they hadn't won on the road in the division prior to last night since September of 2008, also in Cincinnati. Wow. Been 17 straight road games in the AFC North that they had dropped. So, I mean, this is definitely a different team, but this is one of those that roadblocks, right I think, there. even though Cincinnati isn't the team that we thought they were going to be, they're just, I mean, it, whether it's that for the entire season or that they're just in a slump, they took advantage of a, of a weaker team possibly, but it was a road bump. This is a road game in the division, something they haven't done in years now. Since 2008, they haven't won on the road in the division. They take care of business, so they get this, that past that first roadblock. And now when you go to Baltimore, it's not as daunting a task. You, as, as, as not a, as daunting of a task. You've done it. You've won on the road. Right. I just, I'd like to see Cleveland get one more real quality win before I really take them seriously. You know, I mean, you look at their schedule. Yeah, they beat Pittsburgh at home. They beat them pretty convincingly convincingly 31-10 in Week 6. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I'll count that as a, as a quality win, especially knowing what we know now about how, you know, how good Pittsburgh looks. But, you know, some of their other wins, you know, home against New Orleans, you know, I, I don't really count that as a quality win. New Orleans is a bad road team. Right, and... I'd like to see him get one more really good win before I take them seriously. And they'll have an opportunity coming up. You know, they go to Buffalo in a couple weeks. If Buffalo keeps on the track that it's on, that could be a good game. You know, the next week they're home against yeah. Indianapolis, which a lot of people, you know, one of the best teams, one of the right best teams we'll in the conference. Because they just put a shellacking on one of the New York teams on Monday night. But Right. And then they're home against Cincinnati again, and then they're on the road at Baltimore, you know, to close out the season. So they're going to get an opportunity here to play some pretty good teams, and we're going to see, you know, if, if maybe they can get another quality win in here and, and continue to prove themselves. Because they look good right now, but, you know, the harder part of their schedule, I think, in many ways is still is still in front of them. I definitely want to spend a little bit more time on this game and, and on these two teams specifically. Both teams still have some concerns, and we'll start with the team that put up three points last night. Andy Dalton is one of the most intriguing guys to look at, and if you're a Cincinnati fan, he must be one of the most frustrating because last night he throws 10 for 33, 86 yards, and three picks. Unbelievable. And there are games where he looks like a legitimate starting quarterback in this league, and more than that, a a starting quarterback who can be a playoff quarterback in this league and win you games, and that's not what you saw last night. Right. And we Give the Browns defense credit. They're a good defense, and they've been a good defense pretty much the entire season, but this is bad. Yeah, I mean, and this was supposed to be Dalton's year. This was supposed to be his big year that he broke out and really took the next step forward. You know, you started to see it a little bit last year. Cincinnati rewarded him with that huge contract, you know, and it looked promising early, and he has really dropped off. And last night, I think, was was the epitome of that. I mean, 10 for 33, that's not even, uh, you know, a third of his passes. I mean, 2.6 yards per attempt. That's, I mean, that's dreadful. That's terrible stuff. There's really, there's not even a silver lining that there. way. You got AJ Green back. Mohamed Sanu had been tremendous filling in for AJ Green while he was out, and you get that, you get Green back, so you have two legitimate right, yeah, both receivers. Both of them now. 
And I can't even blame this on not having Giovanni Bernard because you just saw Jeremy Hill, yes, against the Jaguars, but he just ran for over 150 yards the week before. Right. And, yeah, it was a short week, but, listen, Cleveland's on a short week, so I I, I, I don't want to blame it on that. I think this is on the shoulders of Dalton and, I guess, miraculously, the arm of Dalton. He, he's just, at this point in his career, he's not consistent enough. And there's there's yeah. there are weeks where you look at him and you go, wow. All right, maybe this, maybe all the criticism isn't warranted. Maybe this guy's really turned the corner. Maybe this is his year. Maybe he's going to justify getting a big contract, and he's going to justify being a franchise quarterback. And then you see a week like this, and it's just too frequent that he goes back and forth between that. Yeah, I mean, to me, nothing is more frustrating than that, especially you know when you when you get a game like this. You know, like I just said, there's really no silver lining here. Looking at the looking at his line, looking at his numbers, there's really nothing you can point to and say, oh, you know, well at least he did that. You know, nothing. Ten for thirty-three, eighty-six yards. You know, even throw a touchdown. You know, there, there's nothing in there that you can point to and take away. You know, as a positive from that performance. On the other side, Brian Hoyer didn't throw a touchdown, but he didn't need to because they got three rushing touchdowns in this game and they come from three different backs and usually you look at that and say oh wow they have three different guys at this point who can really carry maybe all carry the load or maybe one guy is just a vulture at the goal line but it's been a different rushing attack for Cleveland since center Alex Mack went down one of the best linemen in the yeah. league and it's been so obvious because the numbers have just completely dropped off Ben Tate was brought in he was always the backup to Arian Foster this is supposed to be his first real job where he was going to be the guy he hasn't performed. He was hurt for a while. Isaiah Crowell is there. And Terrence West, if you're a Fordham football fan, you'll remember him from the FCS playoffs last year. Yep. Uh, Towson star. And he uh, gets drafted by Cleveland. And he really played well the first couple of weeks filling in for Ben Tate. And when Ben Tate came back, Terrence West, he was a healthy and active one week. He wasn't really part of the part of the system. But now Terrence West is their leading rusher. But they all... Look, the, the stats last night, the rushing stats, as a team, 52 rushes for 170 yards, it's 3.3 yards a carry. Yeah. And it worked last night. They get the three rushing touchdowns. Okay, they get the yards. But this rushing this rushing attack, look, Brian Hoyer has, has been pretty good. But I the only thing that concerns me, I think they got a good defense, Cleveland. And I, I'm a Hoyer guy. I, I really think that he – Earn this job over Manziel. There's no reason to just give it to Manziel. I think they made the right move there, and I think he's proven that. I do, that. too, absolutely. But the one thing to me that could hold them back is this rushing attack. And maybe it's not the back's fault. Maybe losing Alex Mack was that big a deal. Right. But they're just not putting up the numbers right now. And I don't know if Ben Tate is a guy. Yeah, you brought him in to be the number one guy, but I don't know at this point of the year anymore that he can be a guy that you count on to be your starting back. Right, and if, I mean, if you have kind of this committee going like they had last night, that's a lot of guys to rely on for the production that some teams get out of one back. You know, you lose one of those guys or one of them kind of drops off a little bit, you know, that's there's a significant amount of production there that you lose and that committee doesn't necessarily work anymore. And I think especially for this Cleveland team that doesn't, I mean, Brian Hoyer, like you just said, good quarterback, but not a star that can carry an entire offense. You know, to me, Cleveland's one of these teams that needs kind of that balance to be most effective. And, you know, if this committee doesn't continue to work, then, you know, they might have some trouble putting points up going forward. We'll move to uh, some news in the NFL this week. Adrian Peterson, uh, the, the biggest thing now in the football side, obviously there's the off-the-field stuff and the court stuff, and we'll try to focus a little bit more just on the field. and won't spend too much time on it. Just get each other's opinions on whether or not you think that 
he should be back. I, I personally don't think he's going to be back. I think that even if it comes to a point where he could be eligible to return, I think either the team or the league will say, not not this year. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I mean, even if the court, the court stuff and all the legal proceedings does get wrapped up next week, you know, which is a possibility here, it could be that soon. You know, he's going to come back and probably face – or at least have the potential to face some sort of discipline from the NFL, which he hasn't even really faced yet officially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, say they give him, you know, three or four game suspension, you know, that brings him back in what week 14, 15. Right. And at that point, you know, the Vikings are going to have two, three games left, you know, and it, it it's not like they're going to the playoffs. It's not like Adrian Peterson is going to come back and help lift them to the playoffs. So, I mean, even if he does come back with games left to play, it's not going to be, to me, a significant enough amount to you know, warrant putting him out there for two weeks. If you're unfamiliar with the situation on Tuesday, Peterson pled no contest to what was then brought down to a misdemeanor charge of reckless assault in the uh, case when, you know, the uh, potential child abuse case. He was voluntarily put on the commissioner's exempt list uh, back earlier in the year. Obviously, the NFL has had all these problems with domestic abuse and in this case as well. And uh, he gets his, he got his full salary during all of this, and apparently there are reports that have come out that uh, his his team, his camp, uh, not not the Vikings' his team, but the people around Peterson have tried to get him reinstated immediately after Tuesday when he pled no contest, and the NFL said not so fast. So obviously, if that is true, if the reports have some truth to them, that the NFL is already taking a step to saying, listen, yeah, all right, we're getting your legal stuff in order, but. I, I personally really don't think that he should be back this year. And I, I think, I guess what we've talked about, just the, the image problems earlier in the season, it, I think they would it would seem as if they were going back on their word when they went out and said, listen, we're going to try to take care of this. We know this is a problem. And not everybody, people were not satisfied when, they, when not at all. the NFL was trying to deal with this, and justifiably so. They did a ter- terribly poor job right from the beginning with the Ray Rice scandal, and then there's Greg Hardy, there's this – the NFL, it's in their best interest, even though he's a terrific player. He's a player that a lot of fans loved before all this came out. Even with all of that, I think it's really just in their best interest at this point to stand on their ground on this and say, maybe in the future, but we can't have you back this year. Yeah, and from a league perspective, especially if it's for a short amount of time, you know, do you really want to drum all that stuff up again? It's kind of it's kind of slipped to the back now, now that we're into the season and the season's gotten compelling you know, there's no sense from from the league's point of view and, you know, kind of bringing all that back by putting Adrian Peterson out on the field. It's possible that all of this will be resolved next week sometimes. So we might have a more official word from the NFL and for the, from the Vikings or from somebody uh, displaying and, and going over what Peterson's immediate future will be with both the Vikings and football. But for now, there's plenty of talk about in the NFL on the field. Um, Adrian Peterson's not back on the field yet. But there are plenty of players who are doing pretty well right now on the gridiron. Ben Roethlisberger is one of those. And we will discuss the Steelers in a little bit when we talk about the Jets. But before we get to do that, and I'm I'm, I'm teasing you a little bit. There's a team that, that Patrick Dangling would like to in talk front of about in a little while. But I just want to jump on another quarterback who's been pretty well. And if you are unfamiliar with the show, Patrick Burns, a Rhode Island native, is a diehard New England Patriots fan and a, a, a Tom Brady supporter, just a little bit. But if there's anybody who's rivaling how good Tom Brady has been lately, it's Ben Roethlisberger. 
Absolutely. Of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we mentioned them a little bit when we are talking about the AFC North. And they looked bad earlier in the year. They did. They yeah. didn't look good. And now he's thrown six touchdown passes in back-to-back games. Unbelievable. And, you know, he and, and really all all Pittsburgh looked pretty bad early in the season. You know, I, I went into the year thinking it was going to be another down year for them. And right. I've said that on this show before. You know, I, I think they were still in the process of getting younger and kind of rebuilding. And I think you saw a little bit of those growing pains early in the season. Now they look like almost like they're back. They they almost look like the old Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I mean, you have Roethlisberger playing at the top of his game. You have a young defense that's playing pretty well. And a James Harrison who's playing maybe a little bit younger than the who has found the fountain of youth. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, this the, with Cleveland now they're sitting tied yeah. atop the AFC North. It's 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 really unbelievable. And it's not even just we we now are fully aware of how terrific Antonio Brown is as a receiver and. They lose Emmanuel Sanders having a heck of a year with Peyton Manning out in Denver, but just guys like Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell has become one of the best backs in the NFL. Yeah, he's finding weapons, he's finding guys, and he still throws a, a really good football. Yeah, he, he does. throws a beautiful downfield pass, and he's just so. I mean, you've seen it plenty of times in the last couple of games. The guy takes a beating like yeah. nobody else should, like nobody else does in the league. It's unfathomable. He's as big as the linebackers. Yeah, he's bigger than half the guys on the defense were trying to hit him. And he just bounces them off, and he throws downfield. And I don't know. I guess the real question about this is, how long does this keep up? Obviously, he's not going to throw six touchdowns every game. But does the last two weeks against two good teams, Baltimore and Indianapolis, where does this put them for the rest of the season? Is this not necessarily the goading numbers that Rosberg has been putting up, but the success, how long does that translate? Where does this put them? And we're talking about we don't really know where Cleveland's going to be at the end of the year. It's going to be a big test for them to see if they can get over some big hurdles. These were a couple big hurdles for Pittsburgh yeah, to establish themselves as a legitimate contender. And have they done that yet? I think they have. I think they have too. I'm just starting to come to it now. You know, I, I think for me after the Indianapolis game was, was when, you know, I kind of got turned on to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, going into that game, I, I didn't think they were going to win. I still wasn't sold on them. You know, they, they blew Indianapolis out. You know, they handled Baltimore, you know, pretty easily last week. You know, to me, those are two good teams. I was particularly high on Baltimore. And, you know, to me, that, that sold me a bit on Pittsburgh. I, I like now, them going forward. And now Baltimore's sitting in last place in that division. Right, and they're no slouch either. Five and four is getting them last place where it could be near the top of several other divisions. I think that Pittsburgh has shown enough in the last couple of weeks where they look like a completely different team. Absolutely. And it's not that they've just won a couple of games. They're putting, I mean, yes, these ridiculous numbers will come down. But to come down from these ridiculous numbers could still be pretty good numbers. Absolutely. So I, 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 I think that I think the, the Indianapolis game was enough to to sell it on me, and then this and against the Ravens that just solidified it. I think that this team yeah. is back to not maybe in the long term where they were a few years ago, but for this season, they are a legitimate contender at least for that division. And then obviously once you get in, it's anybody's ball game. They're a good cold weather team. Ben Roethlisberger right. is a good playoff quarterback. If they get in, I think they're a dangerous team, and the last couple of weeks have shown that against two quality football teams. Absolutely. At least for now, they're back, and it's the Baltimore win that really sealed it for me. They have a couple of, you know, winnable, to say the least, games coming up. You know, they're at the Jets this week. Then they're at Tennessee next week. Then they still have their bye. They haven't even had their bye yet. 
you know, and then uh, the week after that coming off the bye, they're home against New Orleans, you know, so they have a chance to continue to string these wins together. And depending on what happens with Cleveland, you know, distance themselves from, you know, the field a little bit in that division. We'll see what happens. The AFC East is not as close as the division, but it's closer than you think. Just two games separate the Bills and the Dolphins from the first place team in that division. I'm just trying to elongate this to get it a uh, little you're extra dangling seconds. that carrot, man. But no, I'll let you bite. The New England Patriots at seven and two now have the best record going into the Sunday games in the AFC. The only two, one of two teams with seven wins. The Cardinals over in the NFC are seven and one. But this week was, and we talked about it last week, last week, the last matchup with Denver at New England. It's going to be the matchup of the year. And I said I thought this was going to be super close all the way. It yeah. wasn't. I expected it to be close, too. I, I expected it to be a shootout with Brady and Manning both playing so well. And, you know, from a New England perspective, this was probably one of the best defensive games no they have played in a really long time. They have not had a good sec- secondary up there in at least five years. And, you know, Darrell Revis and Brandon Browner play really well together. You saw them get physical with those Broncos receivers, and the officials let them. Yeah. You know, you got a couple flags here and there, but, the you know, the secondary was able to set a tone with those Denver receivers early. And, I you know, I think it really threw Manning off. We were talking a few weeks ago, is Peyton Manning – the best quarterback ever. He broke the. I never bet touchdown. against Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, because listen, he uh, Tom Brady's eleven and five against Peyton Manning and his career. That's where I was going with this. The guy wins. How can you be the best all time if you can't beat another guy you're playing in the same? He's got the same career, same t- time span of a guy who's playing, and you can't beat him. And that's been the case now. Well, the obvious Tom argument. Brady, has his number. Right. The obvious argument is that the two quarterbacks don't go directly against each other. But, you know, I mean, and and there's nothing that either of them can do to control that. That's fair. But, you know, especially early in the rivalry when Brady had some really good defenses, some, you know, championship caliber defenses, you know, Manning had to go against those all the time. I would say that earlier in the career, the Patriots had the all the all-around better teams than the Colts did. Absolutely. If you took Peyton Manning and Tom Brady out of the equation, I think it's reversed now, and the results are, have been similar. Yeah, Tom I think, Brady's still got his number. I think the this year the gap is closer because you know with the addition of Revis and Browner, I think New England on defense is a little bit closer to Denver than maybe those teams early on. You know, last decade. But I would say Denver. I'd still say Denver is the better defense. I would and too. They have way better options, I, and Gronk is unbelievable. Right. I I can't forget about that, and I, I can't say that New England doesn't have great options without admitting that Rob Rob Gronkowski is an animal that the NFL has never seen and may never see again. Right. But Denver does have Julius Thomas, who's a touchdown machine. They have two all-pro wide receivers, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Wes Welker Welker is a shell of himself, but they've got a good running game. Ronnie Hillman has been good going in for Monty Ball. They got a lot of weapons. They're absolutely the more complete team. Necessarily doesn't have right. Denver is absolutely the more complete team. And to go back to the running game, that was the thing I think that really, you know, kind of set the tone in that game early. You know, Denver came out on their first possession, and I had a feeling they would do this. They were very conservative. You know, they they ran the ball on at least first down. I think second down too. You know, trying to set up a third and short where Manning could, you know, maybe throw something over the middle and move the chains and kind of get into a rhythm. 
and New England wasn't letting them get anywhere, and that continued for the entire game. Denver wasn't able to establish the run at all. You know, they were constantly those first couple possessions where they went three and out, you know, were facing third and longs. You know, they took a delay of game on the, uh, you know, the first drive, and you could tell that they really, they really weren't able to get settled in and get comfortable and I think New England's defense did a fantastic job of, of shutting down that running attack early. And that set up, you know, what happened for the rest of the game. Well, early in the game was absolutely the key. Even though the first quarter score was, was 7-3 Denver, Patriots scored 24 points in the second quarter. Yeah. And credit credit the defense, Rob Ninkovich has a big interception return. That was what got that going. Absolutely. And then the punt return. Yep. Julian Edelman. Um some people are saying, is he the new Wes Welker? I don't know. I mean, Welker is not what he is. He's better than Welker now. Right, and he's filled that role for Brady. Yeah. Especially and, last year. Not so much this year, I, at least in recent weeks. I, I mean, Welker, he was unbelievable. But Edelman is, is a great weapon for Brady. And I, To me, I think it just boils down to, yes, they defense and special teams did step up. And fair or not, we compare when two great quarterbacks go head-to-head, we compare them. That's right. just the way that it goes. It's natural. And... It's not hard to see. Tom Brady has won these opportunities. And look, the weather was the same for both of these guys. And yeah. It's no surprise that Peyton Manning does not do well in this kind of weather. Never has. Playoffs are played in this kind of weather. Absolutely. And you know, the way this game went, the playoffs, if everything holds serve, playoffs might be going through New England. And even if they go through Denver, you know, I mean, last year for that AFC championship game, I think it was unseasonably mild. But yeah. for the most part, you know, Denver, Colorado is is pretty cold in January, too. So it's not like you know Denver uh, Peyton Manning's going to get any relief playing at home in the playoffs, um, you know. But Brady is throughout his career been a very good bad weather quarterback, and Manning has been the opposite. And that's another thing that I think you saw that another dimension to this rivalry. I was glad that the the snow blew out early, um, you know, because it wasn't as bad. And I think people would have overblown that you know Manning and bad weather story if it had been snowing during the game. But it was still cold, and, I mean, you saw two completely different guys out there in Brady and Manning going in two, you know, completely opposite directions. It was um, a different game than we expected, thought it was going to be. I, I, picked the, I picked the Broncos. I, th- I thought Denver's going to win this game, but I thought it was going to be an incredible football game. I picked New England, but I didn't feel great about it. And even to picking New England, you probably thought it was going to be a closer game. Absolutely. Right? And it, after that first quarter, that second quarter, 24 points, for New England, they just put the game away at that point. You're down 20 going into the second half. Hard to come back from. New England got the ball to start that second half, too. It's just there wasn't anything going Denver's way at that point. There was a team that plays in New York that was playing in Kansas City last weekend that was down early, and they couldn't come back for it. Happened to be the eighth state time that they couldn't come back and, and get a win. Uh, those New York Jets. Those J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 fall to 1-8. and eight. Kelly Coltis is our WFUV Sports Jets Beat reporter. She's producing the show for us today, and she'll queue up her Jets report this week. Doesn't it just feel like it was January 2011 and the Jets and Steelers were facing off for the AFC Championship game? Doesn't it just feel like the Jets dug themselves into that early 24-0 deficit? only to pull themselves back and fall just short? Doesn't it feel like we were just talking about how great the Jets were making back-to-back title games? Well, let's just say times have changed. The Jets are currently stuck in an eight-game losing streak and are anything but great. 
The quarterback that led them to those title games is now back in the league as a starter, and the guy who came in after him, well, he's now on the bench. Jets head coach Rex Ryan acknowledged that his team desperately needs a win. I'll say this, we're working our butts off. John, everybody, is working their butts off to find a way to win. And that's, that's really what it is. I think that's, that's what will help everything out more than anything, is, is us to find a way to get a victory. And I can tell you this, man, nobody wants it more than we do. But since they're facing the Steelers, it just doesn't seem likely. This matchup between the Jets and the Steelers will have little of what there was in 2011. Big Ben has thrown six touchdowns in back-to-back -back weeks. He comes to town to take on the Jets, and not Darrell Rivas and Antonio Cromartie, but Phillip Adams and Kyle Wilson. Antonio Brown is one of the best wideouts in the league, and I just don't know who on this roster can cover him. So what do the Jets have? Basically an angry fan base. The Fire John Idzik billboard is up, and the Fire John Idzik plane flew across Florham Park at practice this week. That's what the Jets have right now. Michael Vick has shown some promise, but once again, it's just too little too late with this Jets team. He, Harvin, and Decker bring some threats to the passing attack, but even they can't save this season. Pittsburgh travels well, and I fully expect to see more yellow than green this Sunday at MetLife. With basically a home game, I think Pittsburgh continues their hot streak and wins 38-17. I mean, maybe Big Ben will only throw for five touchdowns this week, but you never know. With the... Kelly Coltis, WFUV Sports. Thank you so much, Kelly. As every week with her Jets report, we'll get to Christian O'Hara's Giants report in a little while, but got to talk some Jets first. Sitting at 1-8, and eight, eighth straight loss. Um, officially can't have a winning record. Um, I don't think That's many right. of us thought that they were going to have one, but this season has just turned into, when we talked about it early in the year, this was the worst-case scenario, and I brought it up a little bit on this show and talking on one-on-one, -on -one, looking at it, and I'll admit, I thought this is a team that optimistically could get to 10 wins. I really did, if they could take some steps forward, and I didn't. I don't think I re realized how much of a step back Geno Smith would take, Yeah. how much, really, John Ed how or how little John Edsick did in the offseason. I thought he did a pretty good job. Specifically, I was pretty content with just the Eric Decker signing. I thought, oh, look, they have a weapon. Um, Even but that was an improvement. Didn't, didn't address the defense well enough, as we've now figured out, especially the, the secondary. And I think this week, that's going to be especially picked on because we've talked about a Rex Ryan defense needs that secondary to be able to blitz. Yeah, And we've talked about Big Ben, a guy who, against the pass rush, look, you send one cornerback against him, they'll throw him off. You send a linebacker against him, he can throw that guy off. Yeah. So, yeah, the pass rush could get to him. But if he's a guy who, more than any other quarterback in the league, creates enough time for himself. and He's great at moving in the pocket. I just don't see any way that the steel, that the Jets' secondary can stick with guys like Antonio Brown and now these other weapons that he's just finding out of the woodwork. I don't, think, I don't see how they can stick with him, and I think Big Ben's going to have another big day. Yeah, I mean, just talking about that defense in general, that to me is the most disappointing part of this team because, I mean, that's what Rex Ryan is known for. You know, I mean, and so for him to have, you know, this bad a defense this year, I think is is just kind of the icing on the cake for, you know, how the past few years have gone for him as, as the coach of the Jets. You know, I mean, granted, the offense has been bad, and I don't think anybody, any of us expected it to be this bad. But, you know, I mean, Geno Smith's only in his second year. You could you could realistically envision some growing pains still being there. You know, yeah, Eric Decker being point, new to the offense. Now that you've benched him. Yeah, I, oh, at this point, it's worst case, but, you know, I mean, it's just all bad. I mean, this was this was 
I really thought with their schedule because listen, they've had a had a brutal schedule. Yeah, the schedule for this team was bad. They got lucky that they got Oakland in the first game of the season. Otherwise, they could have zero wins at this point. But it was tough. They had to go through the the NFC North: Packers, Bears, Lions, and the Chargers, who looked terrible against Miami. But for much of the early part of the season, at were, the point when the Jets got them, they were on fire. They were talking about them as one of the best teams in the league. And then the Broncos and Pats. What are you going to do? I yeah, mean, those are tough games. And then where people, I think, said, okay, listen, they're going to get the Bills and then the Chiefs next. And the Steelers was not didn't look like a terrible matchup early on because the Steelers weren't the Steelers right. in the last couple of games. At home, too. People who weren't ready to give up on the Jets were saying, and a lot of people were pretty down on the Jets at this point, even after Week 7, they lose to the Patriots on Thursday night. The, the people who were still there on, on, the, you know, on the track of saying, well, there's a little bit of hope just for this team in general to move forward. You get the Bills and the Chiefs and even the Steelers, and then you get the bye. Yep. Well, you lose by 20 to the Bills. You outgain the Chiefs in almost every aspect, and you don't turn the ball over, but you still lose by 14, only put up 10 points in the game. Yeah. And now the Steelers are one of the most formidable opponents you've had on the schedule based on what they've been able to do in the last two weeks. Big Ben has thrown 12 touchdowns in the last two games. This was exactly the worst-case scenario because when you looked at the schedule, they were going to get that Raiders win. They only win by yep. five, but they get it. But then, based on that schedule, it was conceivable that they would lose those three games against the NFC North. And then it's the Chargers, Broncos, and Patriots. Those are tough games. That's six in a row. And then once you lose six in a row, you're on a pretty pretty bad roll. Yeah. No matter if the Bills game was winnable, the Chiefs game was winnable, even the Steelers was winnable, at this point, you've become a worse team than we thought coming into the season. And you have that streak on you, and that can't do anything but just continue to pile on. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and another thing to me that, that would be so frustrating as a Jets fan is a couple of these games where, you know, you've come out of it saying, well, they didn't really make any mistakes, and they still lost. You know, I mean, how demoralizing is that? You know, the New England well, game for one, the Kansas City game last week, you know, especially the New England game where everybody was saying, you know, they, they played mistake-free for the most part. Geno Smith, you yeah. know, took care of the ball. And, you know, it took a blocked field goal in the, in the closing seconds, you know, to, to knock them off. You know, you, you come out of games like that and you still lose and you put enough of those together and it's like, you know, what, more, what are we doing here? It, it just became to a point, I think, in my opinion, that where it was, it's just become too much to overcome. Yeah. I mean, listen, there, the, they looked like they were on the verge of going 2-0 and halfway through that Packers game. Damn. And the Packers come back. And then Bears and Lions game, they're a couple plays away from being in that game. You throw out, really, the Chargers game because any game that happens like that, you could throw it for the Chargers, the Miami game yep. last week where they lose 37 nothing. You throw out a game like that because what is it going to do to look back on it? You lose thirty-one nothing. Not much to take away. There are a lot of teams that. But have then games the, like the Broncos that. game, they were in that game until the final couple of minutes, so they were in a lot of these games. And like you said, the Patriots game, it's a two-point game and a field goal yep. at, at the end of the game. At, and they overcame, you know, a fast start by New England in right, that game too. Right. I, at the at a, at a certain point, if you can't overcome those little things, maybe you weren't meant to. And I yeah. think we're finally seeing. Yep. Not finally, I should say, because there's plenty of people who saw this early on. What was John Inzig doing? I yeah. mean, we've seen the, uh, you call it a typical Jets um, typical Jets event. That the so Jets. B- biggest news of the week for the New York Jets was the John Inzig appearances on billboards and through the plane, the plane signs. That is so not Jets. Ju- not, not, not positive signs. 
fire John Idzik coming from from the fans. Yeah. Uh, I saw a thing that, that, that a little toy plane was flying around Jets practice to lighten the mood. I don't I don't <laughs> know if that would work. I don't I don't think it's if I was there I'd be like, oh yeah, that's point. funny. That was in reference to firing our GM because it gave us nothing in the offseason. Um <laughs> now we're seeing it. He didn't do anything. No, and I mean He the, gave them absolutely nothing. Yeah. He left them with plenty of money on the cap and a move that we weren't really talking about. Mark Sanchez was not his guy. Geno Smith comes in and is drafted while John Isaac is the GM. Mm-hmm. Mark Sanchez is from the previous regime. John Isaac never had any interest in Mark Sanchez being the quarterback of the New York Jets, and so he's eventually let go. He ends up with the Eagles. Now Mark Sanchez, with Nick Foles going down, has a chance to resurrect his career. Yeah. And... I don't know if I'm ready to buy that Mark Sanchez is this terrific quarterback just because he threw a couple touchdowns in relief and Nick Foles. He threw a couple picks, too. Yeah. Um, but is this just another thing, if Mark Sanchez does well, to throw in the face of John Itzik and say, hey, what are you doing? Absolutely. I mean, I think there are a lot of people on the Jets that, you know, this is really an indictment on if Mark Sanchez comes out and has success with, with the Philadelphia Eagles here. You right. know, it's I mean, a different system, different head coach. Right. Uh, you know, and... If, you know, he succeeds under Chip Kelly, who's, you know, I would be willing to say a, b- a bona fide proven offensive coach in this Terrific league. Terrific offensive mind. Uh, you know, he's playing for, you know, a team with weapons around him, you know, a, a proven playoff team. You know, if if he goes and succeeds in that, you know, how much of an, an indictment is that on Rex Ryan, who, you know, you had this guy who we see now can play. Yeah. You know, what were you doing with him? You know, I mean... What yeah, were you guys doing over not, there? He was obviously not in the best position to succeed while he was a New York Jet. Right. It's what become, were you guys doing over it's there? It's become that... a black hole for quarterbacks. Yeah. Last, you know, last little bit here. Geno Smith is possibly the latest victim. I don't know, in my personal opinion, how high the ceiling was ever for Geno Smith even. Yeah. But obviously, I, I, yeah, he took a step back, but I don't know if he was given enough to succeed either. And obviously, Mike Vick is a, is a short-term solution. So, it, Listen, at this point for the Jets, they got one more week till the bye. They get a they get a week to possibly regroup and try to play hard and possibly save the seat the Rex Ryan's tenure as Jets head coach. I think he's out no matter what. I do too. But it's been a rough stretch for the Jets. I, I think we'll we'll save the official predictions for the end, but I, I think it's kinda obvious where we think that this game is gonna end up taking yeah. on Pittsburgh this weekend. Pittsburgh started this little run against the Indianapolis Colts, and the Colts are a good team. And we yes, saw that are. on Monday night at the Meadowlands as they demolished the New York Giants. Our WFUV Sports Giants beat reporter Christian O'Hara was at the game and he tells us about it in this week's Giants report. The New York football giants are reeling. Losers of three games in a row, and now sporting a 3-5 and five record on the season. The next task presented to Big Blue is to travel to Seattle and try to defeat the defending Super Bowl champion Seahawks. Based on the recent performance of the offense, this will not be an easy task. Last Monday night at home, New York was dominated from start to finish by Andrew Luck and the Colts. Luck threw for 354 yards and four touchdown passes, and quite frankly made it look easy against a giant secondary that is now even more depleted, losing Prince Amukamara for the season with a torn biceps. 
On the other side of the ball, the offense was completely out of rhythm in the first half, mustering only three points at halftime. The Giants did find some fluidity in the passing game late in the contest, but that was due to the nature of the Colts' relaxed coverage. Eli Manning went another game without throwing an interception, ended up with two touchdowns and 359 yards passing. Unfortunately, the final stat line did not mean much because the Colts had locked down the New York receivers in the first half. Odell Beckham Jr. did finish with eight catches for 156 yards and was really the only bright spot all night long. The opponent this week will not make it any easier for the New York receivers. Here's what offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo had to say about what the Giants have to accomplish in order to have any success on offense this Sunday. It starts with fundamentals and goes into being physical. And we're going to see the same thing this week. Uh, we're going to see you know, physical corners. We're going to have to do a good job at the line of scrimmage, uh, getting those guys off their grass. Um, we're going to have to be physical with them and uh, create some separation at the top of the routes. The Seahawks do not look as dominant as the team that won the Super Bowl last year. Although this team might not be as dominant, the home field advantage that the Seahawks possess is something that has been documented for years. The key for Big Blue to defeating the Seahawks is scoring early and often to take the crowd out of the game. Also, forcing a turnover early will help keep the momentum on the Giants' side. Stopping Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch will be no easy task, but if New York wants to salvage anything positive from this season, a win in Seattle would be a good starting point. Unfortunately, I don't think the Giants will have enough on offense to win the game. I think Seattle takes this one 24-17. With the Giants report, I'm Christian O'Hara, WFUV Sports. Thanks as always to Christian there. He's picking against the Giants this week, and it was hard not to pick against them last week, or Monday night, rather, I should say. The Colts went at 40-24, but it was not that close. It really wasn't. Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck. He's unbelievable. Yep. He is going to be, once this Tom Brady-Peyton Manning wave leaves, he's going to rival Aaron Rodgers for the top spot, and then he'll have years where Rodgers is not the guy he was anymore, and he's going to be the top quarterback in the league. Andrew Luck is eventually going to be the guy. And he's already close enough where he's in that conversation. Absolutely. Um, he is. I mean, the Colts could not have been a luckier organization to have possibly the best quarterback of all time, and then he gets hurt, and they just get the number one pick and then get the possible next best quarterback of the era. Um, Andrew Luck is just spectacular. Seventh consecutive 300-yard game. That's a Colts record. Threw for four touchdowns on Monday night. Leads the NFL in touchdowns thrown and passing yards. He's having a heck of a season. And on one hand, I can't blame the Giants for this loss. I didn't expect them to win. No. And I, did, I expected this to be a blowout game, which it was. I mean, 40-24 doesn't scream blowout, but even that's a good amount of points difference, and it wasn't that close. But the Giants... They're now 3-5, and five, and now they have to go play Seattle and San Francisco and Dallas are their next three games. Oof. I don't see a win coming in any of those games. Um, Christian mentioned it. Prince of Mucamara is out for the season, having really, I think, his best season. A guy who was a little slow to come around early on. It gives a guy like D. Miller maybe hope for the Jets. Prince of Mucamara didn't start off guns blazing as a giant. Having a really good year this yeah. year. He's, a top, he's one of the top cornerbacks now, and he's out for the year. Rodgers Cromartie hasn't been healthy, so that's going to put a real burden on him now that he's playing. And you were already yeah, not you, doing that well in the secondary. You weren't great and, to begin with. Yeah, that defense is getting pretty thin. John Beeson's out for the season. It's It's been a rough year for the Giants, and it's been a bit overshadowed because the Jets have been so poor. And the Giants started out okay. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, they start out, but then they get the three straight wins. And now back to three straight losses. Yeah. And it, it brought – I mentioned it a little bit last week. I think it brought the Giants back down to earth because I think this is the area where the – this is more where the Giants are. They are, at best, a middle-of-the-road team, I think. Uh, and that's not an indictment on Eli Manning. I still think Eli Manning is a real good quarterback. I, I do, too. Give him credit for not completely floundering in a new system. And, yeah, guys will come and tell you, you know, these are professionals. This is what they do. If they can't learn a system, then they shouldn't be playing. But, I, you know, I'm going to give him credit for – yeah, the first game against Detroit was one of the worst displays I've ever seen. And early on in this Colts game, offense looked bad. And there have been moments where the offense looked bad. But I'm not going to put that on Eli Manning. The offensive line has been bad. Guys like Justin Pugh have not played well this season. Really no running game. I'm not an Andre Williams guy. Not that, again, not really anything against Andre Williams, but Rashad Jennings goes down. Andre Williams was not drafted to be a feature back in his first year in the, in the National Football League. Right. At tight end, yeah, Larry Donnell had one huge game, but him and Daniel Fells are not <laughs> Rob Gronkowski by any means. <laughs> and then you lose Victor Cruz for the year. So you're counting on a rookie in Odell Beckham who has showed a lot of talent, and a guy in Ruben Randall who's got some talent but hasn't really lived up to things. Right. So for me, when the Giants sit with this record right now, and they sit with three straight losses, and they sit at three and five, I'm not too shocked. I'm really not. And I'm it's not, not that I'm even... For the Jets, I think it's a different emotion because they start out with a win, and then you're saying, okay, if you look at this schedule, this is a really tough stretch of schedule, but if they can win these games, Geno Smith is a young quarterback. Does he turn it around? They, they fall just really a game out of playoffs a year ago. And then where they are at the season now is incredibly disappointing. For the Giants, I don't know if it's the same emotion because what did we really expect from them? I didn't expect that much. I, I, didn't. I didn't either. I mean, I think I was more surprised when they were sitting at three and two yeah. and had a chance, yeah. you know, to go on a run. You know, that surprised me more than I think where they are now. I mean, if you if you look at the beginning of the season, a bad loss against Detroit in Detroit. They the offense looked like it was the first game in that new offense. Yep. They lose to the Cardinals and they shouldn't have lost that game. They should have won that game because Carson Palmer was not it, and Andrew Stanton is not a very good quarterback. No. Nope. Turns out the Cardinals have turned into a very good team, but that was a winnable game. Absolutely. But then the next three wins, and even if they had won that game, it would have been four straight wins, but it would have been against a Cardinals team with a backup quarterback, which they ultimately end up losing that at game. At home, nonetheless. At home, and then they are able to beat Houston at home, but without Arian Foster. The Redskins are bad, and right. they, they, they kick them around, and the Falcons are bad. So they and they beat, only beat them by ten points. Yeah, that was a that was a close game. They had to really play well at the end to win that game. So you got two wins against two bad teams, and then you got a win against a team without the best running back in football, and then you could have got another win against a backup quarterback, but you didn't even get that one. So you sat at three and two. You could have been four and one, but that was way more. That was a much better record than the Giants should have been. And then going into week six, I got caught up in it a little bit. Not that I expected it, but I looked at it and said, hey, they've already got a win in the division against Washington. Now they get the Eagles and Cowboys before the bye. If they can get even one win out of this, they're in really good shape. Yeah. And then that Eagles game, it didn't even have to get to the Cowboys game because that was a decent game. Yeah, they, that they Eagles game against, really against set the tone for what the Giants really are this season. Yeah, and I mean, I, I expected Philly to win that game, you know, at home, but I certainly didn't expect it to play out like that. I mean... It, wire-to-wire win for the Eagles in that one. And, you know, I mean, it, it was like night and day, the Giants team we saw in that game yeah. as opposed to the previous three weeks. You know, I mean, and that was the game they lost Victor Cruz. 
and you know it's just it all obviously has gone downhill from there we'll we'll pick the the giant seahawks game at the end of the show as we always do it's going to be a really tough matchup and christian's not picking the seahawks to blow out the giants and what I was think his final score? I think he had it a touchdown game. Okay. I think he had a touchdown game. He was 24-17 if we, we'll go back and check it. But I'm pretty sure it was just a touchdown game he was picking it. And I think that's more of a indictment on Seattle not really looking like the team they were a year ago. And this is in Seattle. So yeah. if it was home, you'd almost give the Giants a little bit of a chance. But it's going to be a really, really tough task. And this is a big game for them. Just in the fact that they really needed to have any chance to have any success at this point of the season. Look, three and five doesn't really get you out of, you know, you're not done. Not but at all. This is a this is a big game, and it's going to be a really tough test for them at Seattle here in Week Ten, and they got a couple of really tough games: 49ers and Cowboys. After that, so it's going to be a difficult stretch for the G-Men. The Jets have not been good, but Giants have not been much better. I am been pretty good. In fantasy football this year. That's a bit of a shocker. I'm usually terrible. I'm terrible. I'm usually terrible. But let's get to a little bit lighter stuff. The Giants stink. The Jets stink. Sorry, Kelly. The Jets stink, okay? They do. They're bad. But let's get to a little bit more fun. It's fantasy football time. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the best picks around the NFL? Plus, start them and sit them to help you win your league. All right, Joe Marie. I'm a Giants fan, and the Giants are bad. I need fantasy football to really <laughs> keep me going here it's in football all he's got. season. It's all he's got. It's all I got. It's all I got. I, I'm sorry help us to out. hear that the Giants are all you have right now. Stop it. Um, this, this cuts me deeply. I Stop wish, it. I wish you rooted he's being for sarcastic. Better, I wish you rooted for a better team. Leave me um, alone. So let's talk... Three guys are going to have big weeks. Help me out. Who's going to be good? Three guys are not going to have big weeks. Who am I looking at here? A fascinating guy to look at that people don't talk about. It's Carson Palmer. He's unclaimed in 45% of the like ESPN Yeah, He has at least 16 points in every single game he's played, and he's going against the Rams. If your quarterback's not getting it done, pick up Carson Palmer. I don't think I would have been saying See, that. This is this is surprising. And what it is at this point, if you're looking for a quarterback at this point, you're not getting Aaron Rodgers. You're no. not getting Tom Brady. You're not getting Andrew Luck. He's a value. You need a guy who's going to be. Value. You got to be a guy who's going to be pretty consistent. Yeah, Carson Palmer's not going to put up thirty points, but he's not. He's probably not going to put up two either. No, Carson Palmer plays within his system uh, with Coach Bruce Arians. And again, this Rams secondary is atrocious. They're allowing teams to complete seventy percent of passes. I think Palmer is going to have a big day. Uh, in terms of a running, take back, you up on that one. Here's here's something interesting from the running back standpoint. Guess which Jacksonville Jaguars running back has 5.8 yards per carry and over 100 yards per game since week seven. I love it, and I'm so happy about this. Denard Robinson. Denard, Denard Robinson. Unbelievable. Wow. Who, who I think probably, you know, who, who saw Denard Robinson having a productive NFL career as a, as a quarterback or not a running back? Not even the Jaguars because they gave him the number 16, which is not a running back <laughs> number. So They can't make up their minds. So he's had over 100 yards per game every time he's played, and the Cowboys have been getting gashed. Um, on the ground, they're giving up 17 points per game. Denard Robinson, th- that's fascinating to me, that he is in the league as a running back. I'm I'm a little bit happy about that. I'm not even like I'm I'm not a Michigan guy. No, I like Notre Dame to be honest, and you're not supposed to like Michigan, but something <laughs> always about Denard Robinson just looked like he was a, a good, good guy. guy. Yeah, and even the end of his career, he had like the nerve damage. He couldn't yeah. throw anymore. They just were putting him wherever him because ball. they loved him. Yeah, they just got to get him the ball. And it was almost like devastating to see. Like this guy had a promising career. Oh, yeah. And he couldn't really do it at the end. And now he's starting NFL running back. And he doesn't still doesn't tie his shoelaces, which is which the craziest is, part of all of this. Which is the coolest part. Um, re- receiver that's going to be successful. 
Julio Jones, um, it's been up and down for the Falcons. I think anyone paying attention yeah. can see that. But the, the real reason that they haven't been great, Matt Ryan spent a lot of time on the ground. Their offensive line's been getting pushed around. The Bucks have the least sacks in the league, which, again, is remarkable considering all the investments they've made to that defensive line. But if Matt Ryan's untouched, Julio Jones is putting up numbers. That's a guy I would stick in a wide receiver one or two slot this week. Let me ask you a question sticking there. Sure. Because I, I don't have the guts to sit Julio Jones, so I'm going to play him no matter what. Yeah. Now, I also have – I have a team where I have Julio Jones and Roddy White. Is this a be- good enough matchup to play them both? Because there's not been a game this year where they've both gone off, and it's usually that's usually a no-no. It is. It's usually tough, but it's is an, this good enough? Is this a juicy enough matchup for that? It's a no-no um, because I don't trust the team. Yeah. However, you know, actually, the more you think about it, they beat the Buccaneers fifty-six to fourteen. That was when, and Roddy White didn't have a good game, but that was when Julio Jones put up twenty-eight fantasy Julio points. Julio Jones mm-hmm. went off. If there was a game to do this, it, this is it. Yes. Yeah. I think if you're not confident in whoever that backup option is, like Pat's saying, it's usually a no-no. Yeah. I didn't say I was great. I said I'm okay this year. Yeah. So I don't have many <laughs> great backup options. Well, you know what? Let it roll. I, I think right. they're going to move the ball through the air All pretty right. easily. In terms of some guys who are going to struggle, I'm, I feel his name's always in here. Cam Newton. Cam Newton's he's a, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. You're reading my mind, Joe, because I have <laughs> Cam Newton. Sit him down. And I, you know who I picked up? Who? Carson Palmer. Oh, see? We, we didn't talk about this before the show, folks. We swear. Planning. Great minds think alike. Uh, he's com- only completed 27% of his pass under pressure, and the Eagles send the house to cover up some flaws in the secondary nonwithstanding. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be pressured all game and really only has Kelvin Benjamin to get the ball to. So I think Cam Newton's going to be uh, going to have a tough one. Another intriguing player that's had a rough year, Frank Gore. Frank Gore doesn't get the ball anymore. Yeah. One red zone carry in the past five weeks. They they rather put the ball in Kaepernick's hands. His first ever QB sneak last week from the one-yard line. And mm-hmm. It's like I they keep all... trying to push him out. Yeah. Frank Gore. Carlos Hyde is there now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame. Surprising. No loyalty in the NFL, you know. <laughs> but with a guy like Frank Gore, pay him his due. He's still, a, he's still an NFL caliber running back. In New Orleans, funnily enough, all the all the talk about New Orleans defense, they give up the fewest rushing yards at home in that, you know, the Superdome does get loud. Um, so I think you got to stay away from Frank Gore. Uh, and, and another guy, a receiver, Marquise Colston, another receiver, usually I a always, wide receiver. I always two. get a little scared about Saints receivers because Drew Brees is he good spreads at the spreading ball. it out. And with Jimmy Graham back, I think he's going to be locked in to Jimmy Graham. I don't think he's going to be as confident in Colston knowing that he has that superstar target back healthy. So I think you got to stay away from Colston. Do you guys have any more specific well, questions? I mean, you actually you went right to it because I was – I have Roddy White, and I was going to sit him. I got Martavis yeah. Bryant. The, the, he's been great he has the last been, couple of games for the Steelers. But who, are they, who are they playing this week? They're playing the Jets. Put him man. in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well. So maybe I will say Roddy White. All right. Put him you, in there. You got me. I, I, I got one for you. Sure. Uh, I usually, I've been starting Dwayne Allen at tight end for, for the past couple of weeks. He's on a bye this week. Mm-hmm. I have Vernon Davis to plug in there. I know you're down on Frank Gore. You know, should I stick with Vernon Davis or would it be worth, you know, trying to pick somebody up? Vernon Davis throughout his career, is, he, he's always been remarkable because he, he doesn't age. You know, I feel like Vernon Davis was a, always a very high-quality player throughout his career. I would, I would stick with Vernon Davis. Um, the Saints defense has struggled covering tight ends despite the upgrades they've made at safeties. I would look for Vernon Davis. Again, he's not going to win you the game. Uh, yeah. If you're relying on a big week from Vernon Davis, I, I'm sorry to say you're in a little bit of trouble, but he's going to be competent. He's going to hold in there. 
I think especially against a team like this, he's going to put up pretty average numbers. I see Vernon Davis getting anywhere from 8 to 12 points. It's better than running the risk someone picks up zero. Because your tight ends so fluctuate based off games yeah. and matchups. I, I think you have to stick with Vernon. Six of my seven bench players are on bye this week. Wow. That's I don't know player. how that happened. You didn't pay attention. <laughs> that's to a draft. Happened. During clearly, the draft, just yeah. click, click, That's click. on you. Clearly did not. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, thank you very much. You, you're you going to want to stick around because it's pick time. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. All right. We've had a su- late late game substitution here on NFL Friday. Sean Hayner is sitting back there. Alicia Montanaro is here to start off, but I guess Sean's going to be picking. Or we're, they're going to count him for Sean. Sean, he's here. He's in the seat. He's going to get to pick. First one, stick in New York, Pittsburgh, and the Jets. I will be shocked if any of you pick the Jets. Steelers. Yeah, it's Steelers too. No question. Do we even have to talk about this? It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be ugly. <laughs> Absolutely, Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's our Black Jets. Black and beat gold. We're Pittsburgh. <laughs> all right, we went all we all went all around. Correct. We all took. Yeah, That's everybody. Steelers. All Shocker. right. Thank you. Giant Seahawks. Maybe we'll get a Giants in here. It's not going to come from me. I'm taking the taking the Hawks in Seattle. Nope, not me either. Seahawks <laughs> at home. Apparently their stadium's pretty loud, so it should a be little interesting bit. A little, to see a how little, that yeah, goes. Just a little bit. Kelly. I got to go with the Seahawks, guys. All right, Sean. I'm also going with the Seahawks. Oh, we went, we went 0 for 10 on New York this, this week. This is a boring pick. This week. is the week that they're both going to win, so that's just <laughs> how it works. Get to the rest of the NFL. Casey at Buffalo. Just telling you, Pat, I like Buffalo. I'm going with the Bills. I think they got a good defense. Kyle Lorton is not great, but he's turned his team around a little bit. Fred Jackson's coming back soon. Going with the Bills. I'm going to go with the Bills, too, at home. You know, I I like what they're doing, and, you know, I think it'll be a close game, but I'll give the edge to Buffalo at home. Give me the Bills as long as Kyle Lorton's throwing the ball. (laughs) Kyle Lorton, what do you think, Kelly? I'm switching it up here. I'm going with Kansas City on the road, Ah. taking them down. You just saw them beat the Jets, and now you think they're good. They're not good. The Jets are bad. You're being tricked. Hey, listen, Buffalo beat the Jets, too. They're both, you know, they're both beating I like Kansas City on the road, too. All right, so the back is saying KC here in a little microphone table we got here. (laughs) We're all going Buffalo, so three against two there. Miami against Detroit. Miami just put up 37 and shut out San Diego, but Detroit gets back Calvin Johnson this week. This is in Detroit, and I always say I don't trust them, but I think Megatron coming back is big enough, and I think he's going to be fully healthy. They held him out long enough. I'm going with the Lions at home. Yeah, Calvin Johnson coming back is big for me, too. I'll take Detroit at home. Pretty evenly matched game, but I, I like to go with the home teams in those cases. Give me Detroit. Ryan Tannehill is en fuego. They're taking down Detroit on the road. This is a tough one. This really is close. What do you think, Kelly? I'm going with you, man. I think Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson are reunited. This one's going to Detroit. Golden Tate's in pretty good, too. What do you think? What do you think, Sean? I think Matthew Stafford's going to dance around that field a little bit, and it's going to be Detroit. <laughs> so we got one... We got one Miami pick here, but this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a really good game. You wouldn't think early in the season Dolphins Lions was gonna be a really good matchup, but it's appointment dealing. Hey, two good teams. San Francisco at New Orleans, two teams that maybe aren't as good as we thought, or maybe will be better. New Orleans. One of these been... teams will have a losing record after this game. Ooh, bold predictions. Wow. This is, I mean, well, no, I thought you're going. I thought you're going. Isn't gonna make the playoffs. In terms of no, that's a fact. They're gonna say, yeah, <laughs> they're both four and four. It said this is gonna be a fact, and maybe this is one of these teams doesn't make the playoffs after this. I don't know. So yes, it is a fact, Pat. You got me. I jumped the gun there. I, after they just lost, after they they just lost to the Rams in San Francisco, I can't pick them in the Superdome. I'm going Saints. I, I can't trust 49ers. 
Yeah, I went back and forth on this one. I'm going to pick the Saints at home. You know, I mean, we all know how bad a road team they've been. You know, they, they, they're good. they've been lackluster pretty much all year, but they still find a way to win at home like they did against Green Bay. I'll take New Orleans. San Fran's in a rut. You got to go with the Aints. You're going... Oh, you're going Saints. Are we going across the board here? I love Drew Brees. We're going across the board here, I think. Well, well, Sean, you got the last chance. Be a troublemaker. We're going across the board. I like Sean. Oh, there we go. You're being a troublemaker? Yes. He's a Panthers fan. Sean always comes in and just throws in another pick. I don't even know if he really believes it, but good for him. He's He's a Panthers fan. He's he's not going to pick the Saints. He was mad at me that I said I dropped Cam Newton. I didn't drop him. I'm just not going to play him. He stinks. Um, All right. Upset time. I'm a procrastinator, so I'm not going first. I'm got not going first. He's got up. Joe, you got to do it. Give me the Titans over the Ravens. I don't know what to make of this Ravens team, and I don't think with Joe Flacco at the helm, they have any kind of consistency. Here we go, Titans. Charlie Whitehurst. <laughs> Sag Menberger, I think, now is the guy. Is it Men- oh, yeah. no, the, the king of the selfie. He's still going for it? Yeah, the king, king of the, of the mustache selfie. selfie. Sure, why not? Tennessee. All right, Kelly. All right, guys, Sunday night football. Give me the Bears in Green Bay. Coming off their bye, Jay Cutler and that locker room drama's gone. I'm taking the Bears on Sunday night. They definitely need a win. It would be an upset. They've been bad this year. Sean, you got you got one? Oh, I do. All right. Oh, he's ready to go. I don't think Sanchez is going to be able to handle Luke Keighley in that Carolina Uh-oh. defense. So I love it. The, <laughs> the Sanchez. You're not, going with, you're not going with the Sanchez, man. We were just talking him up. Bald show. All right, Pat. You got one. I, I actually like that pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that you're one jumping too. Jumping on the give pick. Me, you're yeah, jumping on. Give me give me Carolina over Philly. All right, all right. Hmm. We're going. I I don't want to see. I don't wanna, I don't really want to jump on anybody else's pick here. I'm gonna. There's always always somebody's always got to pick the Jags. This game's in London, and Tony Romo, Ooh. his back could just collapse at any moment. So we don't really know what his deal is. Brandon Whedon was terrible last week. Dallas is a seven-point favorite. I think that's a little much with possibly Brandon Whedon or broken back Tony Romo throwing the football. I'm gonna go Jaguars. I'm going Jacksonville. I, I will. We'll see how it goes. I don't think that's that bold. I really. I, I, Dallas, don't, th- I don't think that's a bad pick. I mean, with, with Tony Romo healthy, maybe, but he has a he doesn't well, have a back. Well, Jer- yeah. Jerry Jones apparently <laughs> given his his wife's front row seats for this plane ride. So I think Jerry, I think we know what Jerry wants Jerry to expects, do. Jerry expects a win. No matter if you're in London, if you got Brandon Whedon starting or Tony Romo in a wheelchair. Jerry's something else. Jerry is expecting a win. Well, I'd say the show was a win, right? You guys have fun. It's always a win. I had fun. Always Kelly, did you have fun? She didn't. She said nothing. Kelly absolu- didn't have fun. I absolutely had fun. Kelly and Sean. Did, Sean came in guys. late. Thank you to Sean for just Sean stepping out. Sean's the, the man being the He's troublemaker the in the picks. The Kelly. Kelly didn't have a good time, but that's okay. She's a Jet fan. She's upset about the Jets. They're 1-8. Giants are much better, so I'm a little sad, too. And Pat and Joe, they got the Patriots, so we hate them life, here in New York. Life is good. We yes, hate Pat all is well in the world. <laughs> week 10, it's going to be a fun one. Week 9 was fun, but we'll see what happens week 10. Maybe the Jets and Giants surprise some people. It's doubtful. Or, or maybe they won't. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Enjoy your football, folks. This has been One-on-One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.